God, we thank you that you are a victorious one. In the midst of this battle, Lord God, your will be done on earth, in and through us, as it's being done and declared in heaven, that you keep your word, you are faithful to keep your word in and through us, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, for the promises that you've given us and for sending your Son to die in our place. You said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We thank you, Father, for that promise that you keep your word, Lord God. You said whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. You said you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So we thank you, Lord, for your word that brings freedom, brings hope, brings truth, brings deliverance, brings eternal life. We thank you, Lord God, also for the promise that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that no word said, no deed done, no action taken against us by the enemy will be able to bring forth any shame, trouble, or reproach because you are faithful to complete the work that you've begun in us. So cover all of us this day. Encourage those who are sick. Encourage those who are discouraged. Encourage those who are losing, Lord, their loved ones, their hope, Father God. Pour out your holy, holy, holy spirit of encouragement and love in the midst of us that we will know that we are not alone. Give us your wisdom now, Father God, as we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, we live in a time in history where there there is not much good news. Well, there, there, There's good, bad news at every her- turn, but... We have to look at the ultimate good news, and that's Amen. what we're wanting to do today. We're going to talk today about the truth about Christmas and why God had to give his son. And you know the, the most powerful verse in the Bible that almost everybody knows is John 3.16. And that is an interesting verse. We all know it. It says, um, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So, you know, everybody knows that verse, but they don't know why. Well, why did God have to send his son to die? Um, And that we, I mean, obviously there's an implication there that if we don't believe in Jesus, if God didn't send his son, we would have perished. We would be perishing. We would be lost, we would be hopeless. Well, first, uh, John 3.18 says, He who believes in him will not be condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. Exactly. So we're condemned already without him because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. So there's 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 a spiritual darkness, there's a spiritual light, and, and the the condemnation is that people Love ha- have the ch- have the choice between light and darkness, and most of the people are choosing darkness. Well, it's like our our, our we have been predispositioned to look and 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 towards darkness to want darkness. But let's go back to a, the beginning. Um, you know, Christmas is kind of like the midpoint. Um, in the battle strategy that God has set up between him and Satan that has gone on since 
Satan um, was, you know, kicked out of heaven. So it's the point. Uh, this is war. You know, in the garden, you know, before uh, in the garden, everything was wonderful. It was good. It was um, peaceful. It was as it should have been. Um, but in the eons before that, and I believe there were eons before that where there were angels and dwelling in the universe and the cosmos and all this stuff. And God had created before, these... Before the creation of man. Right. Mm-hmm. That um, uh, that there were, before the humans were created in the ancient worlds, God had given the... He'd created the angels and called them sons of God. And he had... And there were other creatures too. We, we know about a few of them from, you know... Revelation and Ezekiel and various, there's weird other creatures, but um, so they had been given a chance to declare their loyalty to God, whether they wanted to serve him or not, because no one was going to have to be, God wasn't going to force anyone to serve him. And so what he did was he gave them an option. And, you know, we know the story that Lucifer failed his test. He wanted to be God himself. And um, at that point, all of creation that was at that point was up uh, turned upside down because um, because Michael ended up having to cast him out. It says in Revelation twelve, we get that picture, and war bo- broke out in heaven. So the first war um, was the one where M- Michael and the archangels fought against the dragon and his angels, and they had to be cast out of heaven. So when they were cast out of heaven, these renegade angels. Look, we're looking for a habitation, a kingdom, a place that they could dwell. And we don't know how long it was between the time that they were kicked out of heaven, they rebelled, and um, they took over Adam and Eve because we don't know how long there was between the time when God created the angels and he actually then created Adam and Eve. But at the point where God created Adam and Eve, they were settled down in the garden. They were in a sweet place. Um, they were talking with God every day. Everything looked good. Um, but Satan had another, and God had given Adam and Eve, of course, the jurisdiction over the animals, over the, the the creatures. You know, they were running the the garden. They had the authority to administrate it. Everything was going well until Satan decided he was going to come and break in, um, and that's what he did. If you look back uh, in Genesis chapter one, between Genesis chapter one and Genesis uh, Genesis. 1 1 and Genesis 1 2. We get a little idea of this, and a lot of people refer to this as the gap theory that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, in the beginning, the heavens and earth were created. Earth was out without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of the Lord was, of the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. So, there's something about God created the heavens and the earth, and then it says that the earth was without form and mm-hmm, void. Darkness mm-hmm. was on the face of the deep. It sounds like something really upset the apple cart there. Yeah, something really Great. came. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a, a a cosmic rebellion, disturbance that just brought destruction yeah. to the the heavens and the earth. And God had to, in a sense, start over again. Yeah, the earth was without form and void, and that darkness covered the face of the water. I mean, it's like there is nothing happening here that's any good. I mean, it's black, it's heavy, it's... And so that's what I believe, I agree with you, that I think that there was this um, uh, war. Pre-world, there was a war of mm-hmm. created created beings, rebellious created beings, mm-hmm 
Satan and mm-hmm. his uh, uh, their principalities and powers and mm-hmm. and and a rebellion of among angels, various ranks of angels that took place, mm-hmm. and so so you've got a a a, uh, a rebellion, uh, a, a chaotic, a chaotic yeah. world that that came in and and came against mm-hmm. the uh, the creation of God. So God, you know, he began again. He, it says he created again. And it says he told Adam and Eve, he said to replenish the earth. And one of the versions, it says, um, be fruitful and multiply and replenish. It's like there was something had been needed to be rebuilt or redone. Um, and so with this, Adam and Eve began their journey in the Garden of Eden. And I don't know how much they knew previous to this about that war or any part of it. I don't know. Um, it, it seems like they were kind of caught off guard with uh, the serpent, Nahash, that's his name, the, the shimmering serpent who came into the garden as a, a talking serpent um, and began to um, in, uh, seduce Eve into believing that she could take of that knowledge of the forbidden tree. Now that tree, those two trees in the garden were Adam and Eve's test. And as long as they left them alone, everything was fine. But notice that the the, the enticement was for knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They had everything else. They they had everything they needed except the knowledge of evil, and they didn't even know what that was. But they but somehow um, she didn't know what that was. And even to this very day, the occult is but is is based on and that word occult means hidden knowledge. Mm-hmm. People are seeking, you know, how to how to. Uh, recreate man, how to clone man, how to give us a super intelligence, uh, uh, artificial intelligence. We have, we have been so seduced and so um, uh, tempted by the idea of taking this knowledge and taking it out of God's hands and using it ourselves. And see, this is what the, the fallen angels did too after they came in unto the, the human women is they began to give them all the secrets of knowledge. Um, root cuttings and con- and the and the constellations and how to make weapons. And so, basically, we want to be like human beings. Tend to want to be like God. Well, that's yeah, a good thing, thing and a bad you thing. Shall, <laughs> you shall. So I think, oh man, it'd be good to be like God because, basically, for those who are believers, present day, that mm-hmm. someday we're going to be like Jesus. Okay, mm-hmm. so being like God. Seems like it, it's, it would be a good thing. However, what happens with mankind is that we think we want to be like God. We want to do all this genetic modification. Yeah. We want to have all artificial Power. intelligence. We want to have. We want to be the authority on Earth. Mm-hmm. We're not going to listen to God. We're going to do it our way, and that's that's the that's the height of of just rebellion, mm-hmm. and it brings absolute destruction upon individuals, families, upon societies, mm-hmm. nations, uh, this this, this well, rebellion reason- and desire to be, we're the ones in charge. And like, it's the same thing with, with, with Lucifer, um, the, who's known as, as the morning star. He's the false morning star. But he wanted to be like God. He wanted to be like the Most High. He wanted to be the Most High, actually. Be the Most High. Yeah. Take the place of God. Mm-hmm. And be that's, in control. That, that's, mm-hmm. that's basically 
the the how can I say the bane of human beings yeah. is that we want to take the place of God. We want to be our own gods, and we want to control everyone else too. So you know what happened was so God, I believe, knew that this was going to happen, and and all was said when all was said and done. But the thing is, what happened when when God for God so loved the world, God's intention was to create a family. People who would uh, come made in his image, made in his likeness, not that wanted to be God, but that were made by God to be part of God's family and to know the love of God, the love of God. I think God's key goal here was to reveal himself as a father, as a God of love. But now we have a problem because we have big, bad sin in the way we have uh, a separation. Sin separates us from God. So Adam and Eve were separated. And of course, um, when God came to, uh, to down to see what was going on, not that he didn't know, but um, he came and he said, what's going on down here? And the, the woman said, the serpent deceived me. And she wasn't giving an excuse. She wasn't saying, oh, you know, it's not my fault. He did it. The devil but, made me do it. Right. Because, because he did. He, he had deceived her. And that was all that she knew. Um, she and so God knew that He didn't, you know, say, "Well, you need to take responsibility and you need to confess your sin and you made bad choices and I told you not to do it." See that the the, the thing is that He had put this law, "Don't eat off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil." He put that forbidden fruit there, that law there, um, because that w- because the opposite of that is love. You know, okay, you're going to follow God. You're going to trust God. You're going to do what he said. You're going to be okay. You don't need to find any other ways to survive. God's love is sufficient. He will keep you. But Satan enticed them to believe that they were missing something. So now God says to the serpent, he says, okay, he says, um, because you deceived the woman, you used the woman to ruin my garden, my plan. Therefore, I will use the woman to ruin you. And this is what he did. He says, you, to the serpent, he says, he, as he cursed him, he said, you will crawl on the ground, you'll eat dirt, and um, you will, um, I will put war. And this is what we're talking about, this war between God and Satan for the souls of men. I'll put war between your seed and the seed of the, of the woman, and her seed will crush your head, and your seed will bruise her heel, his heel. And so the thing is, this is the war that we are still in. We're still in this war for a little bit longer. Um, we're coming to the culmination of this war now. But back in, so when Jesus got here, he had to set the record straight. And he was saying, no, no, we're not here. I'm not here to make you behave perfectly. And you can never sin. And if you sin, then you're out. And that's it. Because the, our relationship with God is not based on the law. It's not based on being perfect because that was the frustration point. In the Old Testament, every time they tried to, um, uh, you know, because that they had not yet, God had not yet given Jesus Christ the propitiation for our sins or the um, atonement for our sins, because that he had not yet come, God had used the law uh, as a way to a placeholder, kind of to keep the people safe. Keep following me. I will take care of you. And Satan would try to screw them up and get them discouraged. And so the first time we see, well, many times actually, but one of the first times we see um, in this book, uh, John 3.16, he says uh, in verse um, 15, 
Um, let's see. Oh, no, verse 14. 14. Yeah, go ahead, read it. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So, so, you, so we go back to the question, why, why did God have to send his Son? Why? Did he have to lift, be lifted up in the, in the uh, what, what does this mean? This means that because the law demanded an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, life for life, blood for blood, and because there was a sin, the law demanded a death. And because Adam and Eve and all of us were unqualified to, live, to give that death because we were already slaves of Satan, God had to send someone outside of that system to come into the system to die, and that's why Jesus uh, Jesus had to come. Why God so loved the world that whoever believes in Him. That means if you believe in Jesus Christ, you believe His death was enough to satisfy what the debt that we could not pay. So it's called believing and receiving salvation. Well, what happened is that if God lets this whole thing just go, okay, it's it's there's no chance. We have no chance. If he just lets mankind live in rebellion without hope of, of any kind of redemption, mm-hmm. th- we just totally self-destruct. Mm-hmm. It, may, it might take uh, several you know, centuries or millennia to do it, but there is, there is no hope for mankind outside of God just intervening and making a way possible. Mm-hmm. For human beings to be redeemed, yes. so the, the the remedy for sin is the cross of Jesus Christ. Not only his death, the shedding of his blood, but his resurrection, which brings us hope. But going back to the Old Testament, God had to use this um, this uh, remedy for sin. This death on Jesus dying on the cross, this remedy for sin. Um, and being willing to, whosoever you know believes in him shall not perish. So our, our deal is not to do some special works and be good, be perfect, because when you can't be perfect, you feel bad and you feel guilty and you get discouraged. And well, the, the children of Israel in the, in the desert, in the wilderness, they were still under the law, and they were coming out of Egypt, and they were having a lot of trouble. Um, they ran out of water. They ran out of food. Um, they were journeying on verse 21, numbers 21, 4. They were journeying from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom because the Edomites wouldn't let them go through their land. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And I think this discouragement is a huge open door to sin. It's a huge vulnerability where people begin to murmur, complain, and once you begin to speak those words into being, Satan grabs those words. I'm, he just grabs words because he makes things out of words. Uh, he creates out of words, just like God said, let there be light. He created everything out of words. We create out of words because that's our power. God's given us the power to speak life, to speak death. And so many of us, we speak death and we don't realize it because we're murmuring, we're discouraged. And anyway, so they had got to the place where they were really down. And the people, verse 5, and the people spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there was no food and no water. For there is no food and no water. And our souls loathe this worthless bread. They were saying, Why 
Didn't you just leave us in Egypt? At least in Egypt, yeah, we were slaves, but at least we had food. At least we knew our routine. At least we, you know, we were we were slaves, yeah, but we were okay with that. And at least we were living. And now we're over here. We have freedom. We're not under Pharaoh anymore, but we wish we were dead. We don't love our life. And so, so the Lord then, because they were open to this discouragement and murmuring, um, the Lord sent or permitted fiery servants among the people and they bit the people and many of the people of Israel died. So Satan says, they're murmuring, God, they're not listening to you. I want serpents, send serpents among them. And so God, not that he has to listen to Satan, but because he's fair, he says, okay, yeah, they're listening to you. We'll send the serpents. And then the people came to Moses. At that point, they kind of came to their senses and they said, Moses, help us. What's going to happen? You know, I mean, we're in trouble. We have sinned. They actually admitted their sin, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he will take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Now, so they had to admit their sin. They had to repent. And I believe that's where we are now. We must individually repent, confess our sin, that we cannot save ourselves, that we have murmured against God, that we have taken matters into our own hands, um, and that the, the enemy has taken advantage of that to bring us to this place. Then the Lord said to Moses, what did he say? What did he say? Make a fiery serpent, set it on a pole. And it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. And so, very interesting. He said, make a, an, an image, make it something of, of, of brass. And so, verse 9, so Moses made a bronze serpent, this is brass or metal serpent, and put it on a pole. And so it was that if a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. So here, here's, there's an image of this serpent that was put on a pole. Put on a pole, the image of the serpent, mm-hmm. and and what was afflicting them was became their um, their healing. And it, it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. What did they have to do? All they had to do is look. Yeah, you just look at it. And they said, well. I don't know if I believe it because, you know, how can I'm, di- I'm dying, mm-hmm. I'm dying, I've got the poison of a snake bite in me, I'm dying. Uh, that's a bunch of foolishness. It's not scientific. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, right. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to do, I'm just going to try to do my own little cure here. I'll take my own, you know, pills or whatever. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, but isn't it interesting? They did nothing medical and they, all God said to do was look. Look, just surrender, submit, obey, uh, humble yourself, turn and look. Just turn and look at it. And the same with this. And then, so that verse, this story is referred to by Jesus as he's setting up the for God so loved the world verse. He says, he lifted, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up. So the serpent on the pole was representing what God would do, what Jesus would do thousands of years later 
And it, but it was as powerful back then in the symbolic form with the serpent. Jesus became a curse for us. That's why it was a serpent. He took on the, the serpent was what caused the people to sin and, and brought the curse upon them. And that's why I believe he made the, a serpent. Mm-hmm. Jesus isn't a serpent, but he became a curse for us. He, he became took a curse for us. us to take the curse from us. And so um, all they had to do back then was look and all they have to do now is believe. And so what this does, though, is it, it, Jesus had to come at Christmas time. He came at well, I don't, Christmas time. We celebrate, think about it at this time of the year where he came to Bethlehem. But he had to come and he had to be raised up on this pole. Um, whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. He had to be lifted up to satisfy the law so that the, 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 the whole standard was now being changed from law to grace. Grace means unmerited favor. Grace means you cannot earn this. Grace means this is what I want to give you because I am good and I love you. And the law would produce guilt, guilt, separation, alienation from God, feeling like I'm in trouble with God because, you know, I sin, frustrated with God, upset with God because he's because of, of his impossible standards. But really, the impossible standards were coming from Satan. Satan was saying, you've got to be perfect. If you break the law, even a little bit, you know, God's mad at you, and I'm going to bring a judgment against you for breaking the law. And breaking the law is not that hard to do because everything is about the law. Satan is going to set you up, and then the more you try to be perfect, the more you try to walk in the law, the more frustrated you become, the more angry you become, and, and then you've already, you know, sinned because you're you're frustrated because you cannot do it. And it's not about us doing it. It's about being obedient and accepting God's finished work. Now, the Bible says that the law of God is holy and just as good, just and good, holy and just and good. What, so what about if the law was given by Moses, the, the, the law was good, how does Satan manipulate God's law? How does, how does Satan use God's law against us? Well, first of all, I believe that God's law is as we saw when Jesus came finally and showed us what the law is. All the law is fulfilled in this, that you love your neighbors Mm -hmm. yourself. So what people were thinking was God's law back then, which was the Ten Commandments and all of the ordinances that went with it. Yes, God gave them those, um, those laws as a means, not of salvation, but as a means of preservation until they could come to the finished work of Jesus Christ. And so the law actually did two things. It actually identified the people of God as the people of God because they were the only non-pagan nation on earth. God had called Abraham of the of the Chaldees up to follow him. All the rest of the uh, nations were, were steeped in uh, demonology and pagan witchcraft and uh, mythologies. Human sacrifices. Yeah, exactly. It was terrible. And and so so when they kept the law of God, then they were identifying themselves as the people of God. And as long as they did that, God was there to protect them, and Satan couldn't have them. So the law was like a, an identification and a protection. But when Satan was able, and he tried, and he did, lure them out from under the law, they became guilty of breaking the law. And therefore, then Satan was able to bring his demonic judgments upon them. And that's exactly what happens today. If people do not come under the grace of God... And what has happened even now, because for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, the church, 
the gospel of Jesus Christ is actually the angel said peace, good good will towards men. Um, is it's the gospel of grace and good news has been perverted or added to, or they've kept Satan has kept the law attached to the God the gospel of grace, and so we're still tormented with I'm I'm feeling bad, I'm feeling guilty, I sinned. Yeah, well, what does God say to do when you sin? What is sin? Sin is is unbelief. It's not believing the goodness of God. Sin is doing it yourself. Sin is trying to make something of yourself or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, be good. When when Jesus didn't say to be good, he said, follow me and I will perfect that which concerns you, Psalm 138. Eight. So Satan has made this very, very difficult, gets people very, very feeling bad, guilty, um, like God's mad at them, alienated. He sets us up with this, uh, that that love is, is conditional. That's what we end up believing when you mix law with grace, that love is conditional. So if it's conditional and God is not going to love you unless you're good, then then that's not right. That's a conditional love. That's not love at all because love is not conditional to love. And God says he is, God is love. So if Satan can get us to believe God's love for us is based on us being good, then why did Jesus come to die? Why do we have to believe in the grace of God. Why do we surrender to that? Why don't we just keep struggling, struggling to try to be good and get mad at ourselves and get mad at God, which is exactly what the church has promoted. And that's why so many believers are full of fear, confusion. They're thinking they're in trouble with God. They don't know how to receive God's love and grace because in this world, nothing, nothing is is based on grace and goodness except God. You know, you have to earn everything. You have to prove yourself. You have to, you know, you are what you do. Um, and Satan is just... And there's always somebody finding something wrong with you. or Including yourself. I mean, Satan yeah. within, I believe, talks to us in our minds, oh my God, it's crazy in our heads and in our hearts what Satan will try to do. If you don't get in the Word, stay in the Word, and know that God loves you, you're a victim of your own thoughts, you know. But so, so here we have it at this moment in time. When we celebrate the coming of the Lord, the redemption of God, we can look at the grace of God. And let's just for a second, I know this is beyond the scope of maybe what we want to talk about right right now, but the fruit, Jesus said, by their fruits, you shall know them. And if the fruit of your life is is rendering to the law, coming, reducing down to, you know, works and sin and, and fear and, and uh, as opposed to grace and salvation and, and hope. Then you must ask the Lord to deliver you from the the mixture. Jesus died on the cross to satisfy the law. He says, all this is fulfilled. He says, I have come to fulfill the law. It's satisfied. It's fulfilled. But he had to come to do that. And why we celebrate now with Jesus coming, because he is the sacrifice. He is the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world for the sin of the world. Yeah, and it's sufficient. It's like <clears throat> if we look back to the serpent, uh, the bronze serpent in, in Numbers chapter 21, it was sufficient. There was nothing you had to add. We had, you have to look at it, and then you have to do this, and you have to do penance, and you have to um, say so many Hail Marys or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's not it. They looked, they lived. Yeah, they looked, right. they lived. Yeah. And and the whole Jesus came to give us, you know, uh, life. The, back then, the people lived. Okay, they were healed of the poison of the serpents that was in, that had been injected into their body, 
and they lived. They didn't die from it, but then eventually they physically were going to die. But God came to give us eternal life, mm-hmm. you know, not just um, the the death that comes through through sin. The con- the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So He's come to give us life and life more abundantly, and uh, and and everyone. Um, so it's a whole new life. It's, it's a it's, whole new it's, way of it's, doing it's things. A whole new way of thinking. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a way of living. It's not just adding religion to our already Busy miserable, <laughs> uh, hectic lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of having life, uh, a, a new life, a, a principle of life that uh, there's you know no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. That the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, says in Romans 8, mm-hmm. has made us free from the law of sin and death. So there is a principle of life. Um, it's like the old poem that says, um, to run and work the law commands, but it gives me neither feet nor hands. But better news the gospel brings, it bids me fly and gives me wings. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole new principle of life. Mm-hmm. It's not a matter of rule keeping. It's a matter of, of, of living the life of God, the life that Jesus came to give us. Mm-hmm. And uh, flowing in that, it's, it's not something that's, mm-hmm. uh, how can I say, unnatural. It becomes something that is it's, life-giving. It, it's life. We, we receive the life. We live this life in the Spirit of God. And it's 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 totally different than than someone just uh, struggling along and trying to add add some religious regimen baggage yeah. to your life. Well, again, one one more time, let's just look at this: that the reason why Jesus came, the reason why in all eternity He had to come, and He did come to that little stable in Bethlehem that we're thinking about, meditating on, singing about. The reason he had to come is because God loved the world. God so loved the world that he wouldn't, he couldn't let it go down, perish under the weight of sin. Jesus had to come and and he lifted that serpent curse off of us and he loved the world. And that's why Jesus came. That's why we have Christmas because, or Christ coming, because God had to send his son and this was the time they decided to do it. And he sent him into the world, not to condemn the world, but that through the through him, the world we would be saved. So let's let's give our lives now, not to the task of saving ourselves, but give ourselves grace and thanksgiving to God for sending His Son to die in our place and to make eternal home preparations for us in heaven. And to recognize that we're given the assignment to communicate that message in the midst of. So much evil and so much bad news that is just an avalanche of bad news. We have good news, and 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 it's the good news. It's the only real good news in the world right now, mm-hmm. is that God so loved the world and, and that he Jesus gave is his coming only back, Son. That mm-hmm. the Lord is 
the Lord is coming, the Lord is in control, even though it, it might not appear to be that way mm-hmm. with every all the chaos going on in mm-hmm. our world currently. But So, Father, yeah. I pray that you give grace, 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 strength to sustain us in this very difficult time of waiting, in this time of discouragement, disappointment, like the children of Israel in the wilderness. Please, Lord God, keep us from murmuring. God, cause us to look up, cause us to, to find ourselves in your word. Lord God, encourage those who might be discouraged today and give us strength, health, meaning, purpose, joy. Let the joy of the Lord be our strength this season and in the seasons to come. Let the Lord God reveal himself. We wait upon you, Lord God, and we cry out even so. Come, Lord Jesus. And Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name as you've taught us to cry out, Abba, Father. Amen. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.